Welcome to Sport and Life with Sam Kekovich and Leon Wigard. Sam, you're looking resplendent today. Oh, thank you, Leon. A very good reason. Why? Well, a very special guest we're talking to later on in one of the most opulent edifices and the final, finest eateries in uh, in Australia. But e- edifices? Edifices, as in the... Uh, plural edifice? Yes. Well, do you know what I mean? Look, at you look around you, the salubrious surroundings. The El Duca restaurant in East Melbourne? It is indeed. We'll but, get on to that shortly. We'll talk about the uh, the guy that owns it and uh, his background. Italian? Yes, he has. Laurie Serafini? Who uh, else? No. Well, uh, oh, Laurie Serafini. Who else brings to mind Italian? Vince Cotoggio? Vince Cotoggio. Uh, Benito Mussolini? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Who did he play for? <laughs> I think he, he played for the Axis. <laughs> the evils of Axis. Now, I was always told as a child that you earned your respect. Now, there's a bit of controversy going on at the moment about umpires. Well, one of the most contentious points I've ever come across. You talk about being polarised. You're right. The biggest story this week was should we respect umpires or umpires who are paid two blatant free kicks of 50 for being blatantly dis- or players being blatantly disrespectful. At least two, isn't it? At least two. For this, hands out. For hands out. And then pointing to the scoreboard and inferring that the mistake was blatant. Yes. And on face value... Insulting. I, insulting. And on face value, I've got to tell you, I concurred with you wholeheartedly. I thought, who are these upstarts? You earn your respect. You don't demand respect. However, a sage, a wise owl, pulled me aside. And he made a lot of sense, to which I've changed my opinion wholeheartedly. Oh. We need to respect our umpires. Well, my word we do, for but... The, for a number of reasons. There's a but to it. No, there's, without umpires, we don't have a game. Now, oh, what hang 15... On. Oh, hang on. Well, I was at the MCG at the moment. 150 years ago, the captains made all the decisions. And what happened, Leon? What's the game happened to was life? In... Sorry? What's happened to life? We need somebody to control us all the time. Well, that's a poor analogy. Yes, you're right. We've become a nanny state. But this is slightly different. You know, this is to adjudicate a game of sport. This is not rules and regulations. Right. Anyway, your point being? My point being is we see junior football, young 15-year-old kids getting 50 bucks or 100 bucks and being peppered with unbridled abuse by these fat-gutted fathers and spouses who have got no understanding or perception of the harm that they're doing psychologically. Now, what kid in his right frame of mind would go on and become an umpire who's probably on 150, 200,000? The level of scrutiny that these guys are under is enormous. When you consider their counterparts who are on the field, who are actually accusing them of being disrespectful, are paid in excess of half a million dollars. They miss goals from 20 metres out. They've been fed silver spoons all their lives, ever since uh, Auskick started. Someone thought they could play footy. They dropped chest marks. They can't hit targets. We saw, we saw uh, Hawkins stage for a free kick, almost cheating. Hardly any reference made to any of that. But a couple of uh, irrational umpiring decisions and the whole world crumbed. The whole media, the AFL pack, descends upon them. Now, I rang Bradley Scott yesterday. I had a long chat with Brad Scott, who's operations manager of footy. And he said, look, I'm not totally in charge of that yet. I deliver the uh, news. But the point that needs to be made, and I wrote it down here, they would make less mistakes umpires 
if the AFL got rid of some of the flippy, floppy, inter, interpractional guidelines that are set by the AFL and the AFL media, the interpretational guidelines of a lot of those grey areas that umpires have to interpret. It's almost a dog's breakfast. How the heck do you expect them to be 100% right? So they might get two or three, but they don't need to be jumped on from a great height by spoiled brats yeah, who, who make more mistakes than anyone else. Who are the they that make these rules? The players. No, oh, no, make the rules. Well, they're the other, the, the, the rules committee, Kevin the, Bartlett and whoever yeah, else is in right, charge. That, that group. Well, yeah. are they getting... Well, look, it's a matter of degrees. I still think that was crazy for putting your hands up. That's 50 metres. Yeah. Putting the scoreboard, as you mentioned. Those things, they've gone mad on that. Stupid. Um, so that holds them up to ridicule and... Uh, and that shouldn't be done. All the other stuff you said is quite right. I, it's been, I was a director of the AFL for something like 15 years, and way back then, uh, the umpiring and getting recruitment going was always a problem. A problem. And it is an issue. It permeates from junior footy. And you're right about the parents and the people in the crowd sucking on their long necks and all that That's stuff. That's right. Uh, armchair experts. And uh, so there are people trying to look at this, but God... Get it right, you know, just be sensible about it. And, you know, the, the irony of it all, Leon, it's not that difficult. It's like the rest of the, you alluded to at the initial stages. You know, the umpire, the captains used to make a decision. We need to philosophically change. If you deal with the problem at the grassroots or at the very foundation, instead of trying to band-aid it at the top end, you'll resolve it. But if you don't make a, con- a concerted effort and a conscientious effort at junior levels, you're never going to resolve the problem. And that's what's happened. They give a lift service at the bottom end of the food chain and focus on the, the top end. But you're never going to feed the top end unless you get the bottom end right. And the same thing with football at large. We've lost 600 junior clubs in the country because we, for varying reasons. I know there's economic circumstance and so forth. But the reality is it's never been nurtured. All the focus has been on the top end of the product. And as we know... It's not sustainable, and that's why you have the gross inequality and iniquity, inequity in the in the competition. There's so much talent out in the bush that hasn't been even recognised or nurtured or developed. Righto, I'm looking at Dan, our producer. There's a program, a whole program with a couple of experts, people have been around the footy for a while about the big issues in footy, and because um, it's in the paper every day. And I don't know whether it's ever really drilled deeply enough. You know, they headline one day, forgotten the next. But uh, there are a couple of things that seem easy on the surface to fix, but they're not, obviously. Well, they're not, because I don't think anyone genuinely is committed to it. You know, it's easy to give lip service, but you just got to have the, you know, you got to have the strength of your convictions and actually do. And that's why the world's devoid of respect. And you know it makes sense. You know it makes sense, Leon, because you know what? I'm Sam Kekovich and you're not. <laughs> our guest today and our host too, as we sit here at the Il Duca, is Dom uh, Bonardio. And Dom, I didn't know your surname. All the years I've known you, and I've never thought you'd have a surname. I've never even thought of it. Um, and of course, I've known you and your late brother and for so long, many. And it's a fantastic thing that you're doing. You're going to bring out a book, or you have already written it. Uh, in your over 50 years experience in the hospitality industry. And God, it goes back. We talk about Vang Sang here a lot. How many years were we at the uh, Southern Cross? Two. 
Gee oh, whiz. It must have been 20, 25 years. Yeah, good 20 every, years. Every, every year. Every and, year. Well, we only went when they pulled it down. <laughs> <laughs> we had to go. We were last out. <laughs> so, Dom, welcome along. Right. Thanks, Leon. I'd have to Thanks, pair of shoes there for 10, 15 years. Anyhow, <laughs> yeah, well, where did this uh, German idea come from? I mean, well, we all think about writing a book, but very few of us do it. Well, I actually started in this room, Leon, um, about five or six years ago. Uh, we call this, uh, we sort of call it the Sam Kekovich room for various oh, reasons. Oh, dear. Look at that. Open the double doors. <laughs> We've got to get his head out. A great photo of his is up on the wall in this room. Um, yeah. uh, should have been in a more prominent position. Now I believe, you've opened up Pandora's box. <laughs> How about that bloody disgraceful thing you've got hanging in the main room when I'm not on it? Uh, yes, I'll, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> another story, Leon. Unfortunately, we weren't here in the, uh, on the night to make that that team but, uh, yeah look it started in this room um, started with uh, and I probably you know uh, Susie Norton yes very uh, well Susie was in charge of the kids uh, Lady, Lady, Lord Lady, Lady Lord Mayor Lady Lord Mayor, Mayor. Yeah. Uh, in charge of the kids foundation yeah Pentecost that's right and um, they were having a, a board meeting here or actually a Christmas uh, get together that's more that's more the Susie that was there. more the Susie anyway, they're having a Christmas After get together the yeah. <laughs> they were talking about um, getting a guest speaker for their uh, their lunch their Mother's Day lunch the following year and don't know what possessed me but I said oh I'll do it and thinking that they'd just poop it and say no no chance but uh, anyway Susie said oh that what a great idea so I thought nothing of it for a couple of months and then in February Susie rang me and said um, the Mother's Day lunch is on such and such a date in May uh, we've got you as guest guest speaker so I click, quickly wrote down some notes and you know on my 50 years in the industry and um, went to the lunch and did the lunch did the keynote speaking and um, at the end of it uh, a lady who was sitting next to me I found out was a judge said to me have you written all this down and I said no I haven't said, well, you should go home and do it. And that's how it started. Okay, so, uh, and it's not an easy task. It's a matter of what you leave out rather than what you put in, I think. That was the hardest part. Um, There were lots of stories that I would have loved to have told, but uh, unfortunately you can't tell them. Um, So, Sam, let's start with your background. Italian, of course, and how far back? Well, Dad came out in 1952. um, As so many Italians did. As so many Italians did. Went to work uh, at Eildon Weir, and then Mum came out in uh, 1954, and I was born in '56. So, yeah. I might add, Leon, that uh, lunch that he was alluding to with Susie Norton. My wife's a great friend of Susie's, and she attended that particular lunch. Oh. And I asked her specifically what sort of a keynote was Dom, because I thought he'd be a boring old keynote. <laughs> you know, was, you know, I jumped on the ship at ten bucks. I got depressed and you know, planted my tomatoes and onions and, you know, watermelons and whatever. <laughs> she said he was absolutely fantastic and riveting and he was so well received. And I thought, wow, surprise me. Benny had Dom, uh, 52, and where, where, did, where was the first place of residence for young Dom? Uh, well, we lived in St Philip Street in Brunswick for a short amount of time with Dad and um, my Uncle Joe bought a house together. And then obviously as the families grew, uh, Dad decided to buy a house in Fitzroy. And my love of Fitzroy started in 1956, late 1956 when I was born. We moved after a month that I was born into King William Street in Fitzroy and uh, 
Fitzroy's been a big part. He's 56 years old. Yeah. just missed the uh, Hayden Button era. I just moved on Fitzroy, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we, 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 who was around there? Now, Butch Gale would My have... My first, uh, first uh, game of football was uh, Butch Gale's last game. Oh, okay. The, Skeeter um, Coglin? No, no. Collingwood and Hawthorne. Yeah, Kevin Murray was around in those days. Yes, obviously. he was. He was playing in the uh, thirds. Abrahams. Oh, and Abrahams. Oh, and Abrahams. Sixteen. Yeah. Tony Ongarello. Uh, Tony Ongarello. Um, yeah, Kevin Wright. Guy Wright. called uh, John Newman. Yeah, Sammy. Uh, John Newman's son is a big donor at Royal yes, Melbourne yes, Golf Club. Yes, yeah. he is too. Yeah. Johnny's got a big transport business. Yeah, yeah. Sold, sold him. I think he's he sold, sold, sold yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah, Johnny. Johnny comes in now, and um, he's a we'll terrific little man. We had a cheeky little brother called Leo Smythe, who you wouldn't have heard no. of, but he he was the sort of mate who used to trip the opposition ruckman up in, <laughs> in the old days. <laughs> was Big Russell Crowe around then? Uh, he was. Yes, he yes, was. He, yeah. he, he was a strong. He came back here. What Warwick the Bill? Now let me tell you, he was one strong. Guy. He used to drive Lump. the lopsided taxi. No. He, he'd be in there. He delivered meat. Remember, he was a big... No, uh, no, but now. Oh, like, now. Until recently. Oh, I right. S- I still see a lot of the Crow family who come in. Um, I think they're, um, his nephew played for Essendon for Oh, a while. yes. Uh, yeah. Max, Max Crow. Uh, Ma- you know, Max was his... Was his was he his brother or his son? His son, I think. Uh, I'm not sure. Not quite sure, but it's all the, the Cry the, family, they're often warnable. There's a lady, Marilyn Giles, in this industry. He used to run the Malvern Hotel. And he had a significant birthday one day, uh, a Sunday, in the hotel. And it was all stand-around show and pretty crowded. And I'm there talking to a bunch of girls. And Russell is his brother-in-law. And I didn't know that either. And I looked up and I said to the girl, oh, there's Russell Crowe. And they, oh, and I thought, gee, there isn't footy this one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, what the, that's what the other Russell Crowe. <laughs> the gladiator. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, interesting stuff. So you started in Fitzroy, which is... Yes, uh, and, and then we moved in 1965 to West Preston. So you're now 11. Now eleven. What did Dad do? Dom, is Dad it? worked. Uh, well, started working in construction and then went to work for the SEC uh, for many the years. Oh, he didn't have a rural job. Uh, no, he had, <laughs> he had a, a great job. He loved it. Actually, he loved uh, loved working at the SEC and uh, a lot of uh, great friends. What about the family house, the family backyard? Did the, the family the backyard traditional had, garden? Well, yeah, I wrote this in the book actually, yeah. Sam. When we got there. Being an 11-year-old and my, my older brothers, we'd mapped out the cricket pitch and the yeah. football ground and where we were going to put the goals. And uh, I think within two days, Dad had dug it all up and it was every, <laughs> yeah, every imaginable vegetable you could have, including a chicken pen. And, oh, uh, the old chook pen was the there old too. Pen yeah. and we even, we even yeah. had a what I thought was a pet goat. And it didn't turn out to be a pet for very long. <laughs> it was so, a meal, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, yeah, it was actually... It Sunday was, it actually, Oh, you're kidding, it actually, you? Yeah, it, it, seriously, a Sunday lunch. And, uh, yeah, I was very distraught. I've heard about the roll your own, but throw your own. Yeah, well, in fact, um, I cooked goat for many, many years, Leon. Um, and for about 20, 30 years, I actually could not eat it. Yeah. I just could not. I could and now it's become it, so very popular. And it has become a very yeah, popular Yeah, I'm not, meal. I'm not, I couldn't eat a goat. Isn't it strange? Yeah? It, it is strange. Years, it is strange, yeah. Oh, the koalas are right. That's very nice taste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite funny right. what, what people will and won't eat. Yeah, for, oh, well, for, for know, whatever reason, yeah. We'll get on to the restaurants in a minute. Yeah. So you, 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 you're now in West Preston. Yep. Um, 
And then, but the choice of West Preston was a, a battleground between your father somehow had a choice. Yes, he did. Of <laughs> going another one of those uh, things in life when you think, "Would you? I wish I had that time over again." But um, I remember vividly uh, we were going around to looking at homes, and he saw this magnificent um, Tudor home in uh, in Gilbert Road in West Preston, which we eventually bought. And he also was looking in the Boulevard in Kew. And um, Jeez. <laughs> it was a similar sort of house. It was a little bit smaller, but it was a similar sort of house. And um, did he have bridging? <laughs> at the time, it wasn't that much of a difference in price. It was a little bit of a difference, but not not hugely, not a huge you had amount. Yeah, the Pratt family. <laughs> well, well, apparently, uh, the Dad told me that uh, he he went to live in West Preston because one of his paisani, which is a common countryman, yeah. countryman, told him to uh, move up to. Uh, Preston because I live near there and the, you know everything's close by and the tram's close by so that was his decision but Do you remember where that block of land was or uh, the house? The house I do vividly Gilbert Road. Yes. Well I know the Gilbert Road it's yeah, still the, in the family the one in the Boulevard in Kew I remember vividly in fact I want, I've driven I want, past it I'd hate to think what it's worth now Lee, I'll talk I? to Phil Kramer He'll know Actually please don't tell me what it's worth I don't want to know I think Lindsay Fox uses it Yeah it's, uh, but that that was the way we were brought up. It was more about family. Days, it was but, more about family. Yeah, than I know. Else. But in those days, migrants all gravitated yeah, to did. a certain yeah. area. Yeah, we did. We and did. they didn't really. And and you know, I actually said it in the book that I probably wouldn't have swapped living in West yeah. Preston for anything. Well, they all helped each other. See, that's well, that's it. I, I remember as an Australian-born kid, all all the Italians. We'll get together and build yeah. somebody's yeah. house, then they'd get out of the road and build another house. That's right. And Leon, the thing is, in those days, uh, and oh, Sam too. Yeah, a lot of our life was revolved around food, and um, it was basically going from one house to another to yeah. make the wine, the salamis, the giardinetta, all those sorts of things that we did as kids growing up, uh, we did with our friends and our rallies. And That's we right. just went from house to house every weekend doing those Messes sorts of jobs, and, and that was a... Yeah. Do you want to want to turn this thing off because we? Or I can ask you what's in salami. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we better not. But, but it was all it was all wholesome stuff. I mean, we, we Dad would, in fact, the idea was that you'd go early on in the year to actually pick the pig that you wanted, and they would nurture it, and then come salami time, you'd actually go and they'd butcher it for butcher. you. And you'd, Bring it home. But we always yeah. used, to, we used to hang our meat too. We used yeah. to smoke yeah. our meat. Exactly. The exactly. prosciutto. And oh, did all of that. That's at a time when you were still Vegemite and <laughs> sandwich Leon. Sam, I always... No, not Leon, but I mean, yeah. that's yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Shining, it's, white, it's, white funny. it's funny. Fish and chip shops, though, were in abundance and yeah. Uh, yeah. white bread and a, yeah. a thin layer, of, a film of Vegemite and cheese. And that was the extent yeah. of the diet at those, or the, or the menu. Well, we didn't have any of these wonderful restaurants like this. You, you, uh, the Chinese were probably the first to be a popular. Well, in all those, over the place. even the Chinese only introduced in those days number sixty nine. You know, which was uh, yeah. They had the dim sim, and then they had the, uh, the, the lemon the chicken and lemon, lemon chicken and rice. Yeah. That's right. And we called it. The chows, the and no one turned an eye. No one turned an eye to it. <laughs> Wouldn't want to say it now, though. <laughs> oh, you can't say <laughs> it. Oh, you can say that. Actually, we're going to start an anti-woke-woke-woke-up Australia. <laughs> That's right, and we have. Yeah. And it's, it's funny, though. I, I One of the things that comes to mind for me was um, if, if Dad, God bless his soul, he passed away at 95, 
if he knew I was paying 50 and $60 for uh, semi-dried tomatoes, he'd turn in his grave and probably shoot me because we used to sun-dry our tomatoes at home. Exactly. Uh, as you would have done, Sam, in those years. We and, did, not only that. And uh, we'd put them in sandwiches and go to school and the Aussie kids well, would say, school, what the hell's Were you any good at school? It wasn't bad. That's uh, the, Mar- I, the Morris Brothers? Yeah, I went to Morris Brothers in Preston. Did you yes. go there, did you? Yes, I went to Morris yeah, Brothers. Yeah, I could have... Bert Newton was a Morris Brothers boy in Brunswick. Okay. Well, a lot of your mob are left-footers. But I went to... Uh, well, hey, that's racist or... Well, well so or, be it. Yeah. Laurie, Laurie Serafini's a good <laughs> Morris Brothers Ser- boy. Yeah, yes. There you go. Well, why is it... Hold on, look. <laughs> Since when's the Catholic Church become a real estate agent? <laughs> why have they got the best... <laughs> you ever seen the Catholic Church? They're always on the most prominent piece of real estate anywhere in the world. Anyhow, I'm a believer, so piety is very prevalent in my life, even though I'm a bit critical. (laughs) Anyhow, the point I wanted to make is uh, regarding uh, your food. Yes, sir. When did the transition become apparent that, you know, you were making a big influence on the menus of Australia? Gee, that's a tough call, Sam. Uh, it wasn't a question I was going to ask, but I got <laughs> I, I fell in love with food and the hospitality industry, um, meeting probably who I call my mentor, and you know this gentleman very, very I know, well. Branco, yeah. Uh, Mr. Branco Tossigal from the Southern Cross, yes, who I met in 1973. He's a very young fellow. Excuse me for interrupting you. Yeah. Uh, the question I wanted to ask you, were you any good at school? To which you replied you weren't too bad. Then you gave me a host of examples of people that went to, as Leon would have okay. tested. I wasn't too bad at school. I ended up actually uh, going to uh, high school. And the school. reason I ask you, because I was reasonably, well, fairly good, but I suffered for the reason of our menus. See, all the kids, the bell used to ring at Myrtleford at 12 o'clock, like every school. Mm. You have 12 to 1 o'clock. Well, all the skiffs and all the Aussies, they'd finish their lunch at 10 past 12. <laughs> By the time I unraveled my bag, I had the salami, the mortadella, yeah. a bit of uh, grappa. You know, it was 3.30 before I finished. I missed that much school, so it shows you what I could have been, Dan. Stop looking at me perplexed, all right? <laughs> Anyhow, Branco was a, yeah, was a, Branco, was a pivotal uh, in your life. He was. He was, a, uh, he was the head of... Uh, Southern Cross. He Southern was Cross uh, events. Head, of, head of events, yeah. yeah what, was that his role? Was it just, he just was events? He was the Room. It was a yeah. function manager. And they had a number of rooms off there. Oh, yeah, they yeah. had the uh, the ballroom, obviously, and then they had the Alpha Beta room. Yes, the upstairs. They had all those. San Francisco Grill. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, uh, what was it called that? Uh, the Club Grill. Club, Club Grill, Grill yeah. yeah. I worked in the Life Club Grill for Francisco, a little while. Yeah. Yeah. But I fell in love with, with hospitality uh, through Branco, really. Um, taught me what hospitality was. In fact, I remember him vividly saying to me, Sonny, it's called hospitality if you don't want to be hospitable, get out of it. And uh, that was old school. It was old school. And yeah. they used to have the Brownlow Middle there. Yes, and you uh, insisted on, I, you, you requested. I looked after this man on my right uh, quite a few times on Brownlow Medal night and uh, the old Kazali. The old Kazali The old Kazali Awards, which I've still Kazali. got pride of places yeah. for the best player. Yeah, it's a Kazali, My first Kazali night that I ever worked was won by the wonderful Lee Matthews. It was. Oh, yeah. Who went on to give me my biggest thrill in football. He won the gold Kazali and I won the best Kazali for the best club player. I didn't realise that. They had best club player 
uh, silver right. ones. That's right. He had the gold one. He had the gold one, yeah. And we also had the uh, North Melbourne Grand Final breakfast. Oh, there were some stories about those Grand Final I was about to ask you, do you ever recall one where a former Prime Minister was involved? Uh, yeah, two former Prime Ministers, uh, Sam. Uh, it was, I can't remember the year, I think I, I wrote it down. But I think it was about 73. 70, no, it was a bit later than that. I think it was 79. one of the main, yeah. Uh, I had the pleasure of looking after the official table that night, and uh, that breakfast, Morning. obviously. And then we went back into the Alpha Beta room, and um, yes. two very prominent former prime ministers, uh, I, RJ, RJ, and uh, yes, and. Um, Mr. Fraser and they well, drank a bottle of port each that morning. I don't know how they got to the football after that. Well, they didn't. Uh, <laughs> RJ certainly didn't. RJ uh, adjourned to another room, uh, of which I think you might have been privy to later on. Yes. After there was a an emergency call to arms. Yeah, it's an amazing. Some of the stories you can't oh, tell, Sam. Can't. <laughs> well, hospitality is full of such stories. Yeah, there are so many. What was the biggest thrill Lee Matthews gave you? Oh, three premierships at Brisbane, thank you very much. I mean, enough said. Dan, you're the other producer, Dan. <laughs> Don't ever try to encroach on being a star. It's not your forte. after the viewer or the listener. But going back to the original question about the Brano medal, yeah. you requested from Brecco that you'd look after the Fitzroy players. I did, yes, oh. I did. And uh, You've got to get looked it out, looked out. Well, of course, mate. Very important club, Fitzroy. North Melbourne was still in the association at <laughs> we were the innovators. Yeah. Grand final breakfast. Who, who, who was oh, there? On the table was uh, Johnny Murphy. Uh, went to no, North. Uh, went to North. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. Uh, Kevin Murray, obviously. And oh, a couple well, of others. Uh, uh, Wilson, days. what about uh, the great No, uh, no Warwick, Warwick Irwin. He's uh, got a connection with uh, Gary Wilson. Yes, we'll I have. Yes, yes. Warwick Evan was—he was a good winger. Warwick Evan, very good player. Went to Collingwood, yes. went to Collingwood and came back to Fitzroy. Yes, and did too. Yes. Um, about that time, would have been. I don't think we were much of a team, were we? In those no, days? we weren't great. Um, I, look, uh, Alex Rustcuckley. Oh, what a great mark! <laughs> he took yeah. better marks than you, Sam. Yeah, he could take a big grab, Alex. Yeah, couldn't kick, but he. Yeah. His brother wasn't a bad player. Too. His brother played there. Too. Yeah, yeah. 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 Two of them. What was his name? Uh, uh, Alex and uh, Bruno. Little bit. Nah, oh, yeah, close. <laughs> <laughs> Saw Alex take some great marks. So, yeah. um, over. going back a bit to uh, the Gary Wilson, uh, not because it's Fitzroy, but he played footy. He did, and he played at Preston. This is I'm talking about Dom now. Yeah, yeah. played at Preston Swimmers. I did. I did, Leon. Yeah, I played at Preston Swimmers. I wasn't a great footballer, but I loved it. I loved the camaraderie. Preston uh, Swimmers, that's Yes, a, we that's used to play out at Gary Wilson Park. Came from and Gary, Gary Wilson came from there, and uh, Des Dixon from. Oh, Carlton. yeah. Delegate. Oh, yes. No, not Delegate. Oh. No, no, it was a Des Dixon. Uh, yeah, a little Rover. Yeah, yeah, a little uh, Rover. Yeah, yeah. blonde haired Rover. Big Delegate came from Maribor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was it Maribor? Yes. I think it was Maribor. Yeah, there's two anyway, of them. Anyway, played at Carlton, and uh, we also. I played at. Uh, YCW for a little while and um, Andrew Ireland who's become a friend oh yeah um, since those days so you never had well. did you ever have the potential to go on or you just no didn't? Sam nowhere near good enough just uh, very plotter of a footballer tell but I loved it a, tell us a story about you almost become a hairdresser yeah I well I come from a hairdressing family in fact <laughs> um my cousins, Hang on, were all all <laughs> cousins were all hairdressers. Uh, had some very great, uh, good hairdressers still around. Actually, Perry's hairdressing, and um, I worked for Lou when I was about fourteen. Uh, started, you know, washing hair and um, putting on colours and so forth. 
and asked How did you me feel to, about that? Because in those days, whilst it was widely perceived as an effeminate uh, <laughs> I occupation. kept it very quiet, Sam. I didn't tell anyone at school, that's <laughs> for sure. You, yeah. you, didn't, you, didn't go to, uh, you don't go to uh, Morris Brothers in Preston and tell them yeah. you were working in a hairdressing <laughs> on <laughs> Saturday morning. That, that is for sure. I Brother, think, uh, I think <laughs> the, the skirt you were wearing gave it away. My hair was always well... Like Renaud 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 King was a hairdresser. Yes, he was, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, my brother-in-law, um, I think... Uh, went to um, hairdressing school with him, with Rene, yeah, so. So what was the, uh, yeah, but the cuts of the day? Oh, gee, in those days it was sets and perms and uh, blow waves and yeah. that sort of stuff, so. Afros? No, afros weren't quite no, in there. No, no, it hadn't started. Uh, it Although I had life. a very big afro in the mid-70s. In fact, when I got married, I had a huge afro. Is it right? very curly, yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah. Kids well, love it. What'd they, they call you then? Oh, <laughs> my kids <laughs> called me a porn star when they see the photos. It's, uh, it's quite funny because I had a moustache as well. So, it was very ugly. So when was the what was your first occupation? You, uh, my your actually first real first, job. My first real job outside of the hospitality industry yeah. when I worked full time was uh, I'm a school teacher actually by profession. Sam. Oh, jeez! I, I know, I know that I, th- I thought that'd uh, excite you. Yeah, you I was ever a think school about it, <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the next one off the yeah, next cab off the rank. So you actually went to teachers' college. I actually went to teachers' college for three years at Coburg's Teachers' College, and then I taught for four years. But the lure of the hospitality industry was just too great. So four years, where'd you teach? I taught. In Thomastown, Sam. That's uh, okay, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it was lovely, great area, loved it. Was it barricaded in those days? Uh, or pretty was? much, yeah. Would it be Italian? Who else? Uh, a lot of uh, Macedonian, Macedonian, Yugoslav. Yeah. Uh, Yugoslav. Very, very heavy right, Yugoslav, territory. yes. yes. Very yes. heavy Yugoslav, Macedonian. Any Kekovician? Oh, none, no great Kekovicius, mate. There's only only a few great... So Kekovicius. what grades did you teach, primary or second? I taught primary. I taught grade six for the first three years, and I taught a grade three. What uh, what uh, what subject is grade six? Because that's oh, moving pretty on much it. all of it. All Sam, of it. yeah. Uh, one of the great things about teaching was um, just seeing those kids. Well, the other great thing about idea. teaching in those days, and I remember being a kid, you actually respected the teacher. Yeah, it was great. The teacher had pro- had presence. Yeah. Unlike these days, who are unqualified, they're pathetic, and teach ideologies. I was very lucky. Not all of them. I res- yeah. I recant that statement because there are a lot of good, yeah. devoted teachers out there. And unfortunately, because of circumstances, don't have the opportunity to display their wares. It's become harder for them, Sam. Yeah. But, um, Size of classrooms, yeah, the diversity, a lot, the of, lot, of, lot of things coming issues. to it now. Uh, and they're scrutinised so much now too. Before we get into uh, further into the hospitality side and the restaurants after the Southern Cross, uh, a mention of Ralph. Now, yeah. uh, Ralph is uh, Dom's brother. Uh, fabulous bloke, and another fellow Fitzroy supporter. That's another matter. But uh, but uh, Ralph died a couple of years ago, <laughs> yeah, and uh, uh, you miss him badly. Uh, oh, terribly. Uh, and and this book really, the only reason it's actually being published is my way of um, dedicating memory. To Ralph, yeah, yeah de- uh, perpetuating <clears throat> the memory. Uh, it it really wasn't meant to go anywhere, bar my kids and my family. Uh, but then, through circumstances, which I've written in a book, uh, it's getting published, and uh, hopefully we'll make a little bit of money for uh, a charity I'm trying to organise for to buy some a piece of equipment for St Vincent's Hospital, where Ralph spent probably the last, five years, years, of the last few years of yeah. his life. Yeah. Sam, you knew him very well, as yeah. I did, but uh, you're a very good one at descriptions, and uh, happy chappy, uh, rotund, you know. Uh, Somewhat corpulent in, in, stru- in status, but uh, 
larger than life had it, you know, always ab- always effervescent, smiling, yes. always obliging, you know, he just took everyone in. He, he was infectious. Yeah, he was. Oh, regardless of circumstance, I knew they probably gone through hard times. You would never detect it by the expression on his face. He'd have to spend a week at home, infectious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I wanted to ask you, people, when they write, uh, they write for a purpose, and you did as well, but you were very reluctant when you transcripts. I read the transcript of your, uh, of your book, and unless you're, you're influenced by three or four couples who kept forcing you and forcing you... Pretty much same, yeah. Because all you wanted to do was keep this memoirs for your own self-keeping and your family. Yeah. But after being prompted by Susie Norton, you met initially, yeah. then you met two other couples that also had a great influence yeah. on the writings. I did. Um, <coughs> you will remember Ralph was the NAB waiter... Uh, in the ad, I do. He yeah. tried it. He, look, <laughs> I love your brother dearly, but he got a bit out of hand. Yeah, when he I tried it. He, he, he thought he was bigger than me in the yeah, lamb he, commercial. He, he, I said, Ralph. Yeah, I'm sure you put him he, down a peg or two. I didn't. No, not purposely. I didn't. I didn't. But I said to Ralph, I said, your tenure, yeah, your lifespan exactly. here is about six months. Exactly. I've been going for 18 years. Yes. I own the brand. Yeah. I hope the MLA's not listening to this. <laughs> He tried no, hard, Sam. He tried. He, he was tried. a bad... T- yeah, no. the nab bag. Big, yeah, large... MLA being Meat and Livestock. Meat and Livestock yeah. Association. Yeah, well, he, uh, he, was in, he was in that ad, and um, it actually, I, I'd finished the manuscript on a Monday afternoon. I was just sitting here. I actually wrote it during COVID because I had a bit of time, and I thought, well, I'm just going to get it out of the way. And I'd finished it. We were back working, and I finished it on a Monday afternoon in the office, and the guy who was involved in the making of the commercial for Ralph is a guy called Wayne Sidwell, and he happened to be dining here that night. And I don't know what possessed me. The but brother I, of Peter Sidwell? Uh, is I'm he? not sure. Sidwell? Yeah. He's the manager of Michael Malthouse. Oh, yeah, the Sidwell. I know. I know. Yeah, I know. I Anyhow, keep going. Sorry. So, anyway, Wayne was sitting down and. I don't know what possessed me, but I just said to Wayne, I said, oh, Wayne, you've got to mention in a manuscript I've just written um, about my life in the industry. And he said, oh, you've written a book. And I said, well, look, it's just for my family. He said, no, we're going to, we're going to publish it. I said, no, 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 no. And I kept thinking, no, there's no chance I'm going to publish it. He said, no, we're going to publish it. Send it to me. So I thought, why not? I'll just send it to him. And thinking that once he reads it, he's going to turn around and say, well, he's not going to say anything about it he's just going to let it sit in his office Anyway, he kept coming back to me all the time saying we're going to publish it I kept saying no he said no he said we're going to publish it It needs to be published so that's when I thought well okay if it's going to be published I want it to be for a reason and that's when I came up with the idea of um, donating donating the book to people and then obviously make if they can make a donation to St Vincent's Hospital in his name uh, very good. And uh, what are you going to call it? It's called Que Fortuna, which means... Oh, that's what... catchy. <laughs> <laughs> it means what luck uh, in Italian. Que and, Fortuna. And the reason I called it that is, uh, I was saying to Sam before, that one of the things that this industry has afforded me is probably experiences that I would have only dreamt about when I was a young kid. Been to places and met people that... Uh, as I said, I would only meet my dreams and it's been an amazing journey, uh, one that I never take for granted. Mm. Uh, and even, obviously, meeting you guys uh, would never have met you 
unless it was through this industry. Yeah, Fortuna. You, you reckon the hedge funds will gravitate to that? <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> yeah well, what's it literally mean? It means what luck. What luck. Oh, what luck. Yeah. That's a, a good name. Yeah, I, I actually... <laughs> funny story about that. I'd actually written it and said... Um, I'd actually called it A Fortunate Life. And then when I brought that's it to the guy, it. and that's, I didn't realise, I just came out of my head. And, and apparently, and even my wife, when she saw it, she said, do you realise that's been taken? I said, where? And I Googled it. And yeah, it is a very famous book. Yeah, Fortuna will have a lot of appeal. It, well, there'll be, there'll be those that'll be intrigued by the yeah, title. I think the, the, there'll be a lot of people who call it Che Fortuna because I'll be over after Che Guevara, but uh, yeah, we'll Oh, we'll, that's we'll the yeah, C-H-E. C-H-E. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's... And when's it going to be published or printed? Well, it's it's being proofread at the moment uh, and um, then it's going to uh, be printed and we've actually got the front cover. It's a photo of Ralphie and I uh, sitting in the restaurant, which is a lovely photo. It's one of the last photos we ever took together. How many copies first run? I'm taking... Um, well, we're actually getting a thousand copies and I'm donating them through the restaurant uh, to people that come in uh, want to read the story and through the website and in there there'll be a, a little um, a voucher, a voucher to, to donate, donate good know. idea uh, hard copy, soft copy? They're hard copies, yeah. Hard copies? Yeah. Oh, a coffee table book. That'll it's be a coffee yeah, table book. Coffee coffee pic- pictures? Or you oh, a lot of photos, a lot of photos. Yeah, yeah. you need yeah. those. Yeah, actually, a good friend of mine, Louis Petricelli, who's a great photographer, got the photos um, done for me, which is fabulous. And, and, uh, and what year did you actually branch out on your own? Sorry. You know, what time did you leave the hospitality business? Well, you haven't left, but the Southern Cross, and when did you actually branch into your own 1983 was my first restaurant, a place called Fellini's in Hawthorne. Yes. Uh, in Burwood Up Road. Up to the theatre. That's right, yeah. Uh, we, we, owned that, we owned that, that for about three or four years. Then uh, I joined, I went to Geppetto, which yeah. you all know. Yeah, we all went there. Great Just restaurant. down the road, yeah. Just down the road. Uh, went to Geppetto's and was there for well over 25 years. Uh, there were two families then, yeah. involved there. Yeah, basically yeah. there were two families, and then it became a little bit, little bit small for both families. Yeah. And we knew this was was Coming available, up. and we broke up amicably. We they, they still run a great restaurant. We run Il Duca, and we we bounce off one another really. And how long have you been here? Old Since Duca? 2009. Liam. Was there an Il Duca in town? There was an Il Duca in town, uh, owned by Luciano, who used to own this. That's right. And Luch uh, had the restaurant in. Burke Street, Burke. sorry, Burke, Little Burke Street. That's right. Under the Crosley Hotel. Yeah, it was a very complicated thing. If you're trying to get here, you know, and that, we didn't have the communications in those days. Yeah, yeah. And you're, oh, God, no, we never I know, heard of it. Yeah, <coughs> yeah, yeah there, there, there was some confusion. So, so go back to the uh, original hotel, which is, uh, or your venue, uh, which is the townhouse. Yeah, that's where I started, actually. I cut my teeth at this townhouse. I was... In Swanson Street? Yes, I told them that I was uh, 18 and I was actually... Hadn't even turned At the 16. motel there? Yes. Yeah, that's where and the... I started working... Made famous recently. <laughs> yes, it was very famous. <laughs> I think it's the Ridges now, actually. Yeah, um, it was made famous, did you say? Yeah. Yeah, because that's where they had the first of the, um, yeah, the that's COVID... That's where they used to lock people up, That's right, for the COVID... No, no, gentlemen... No, stand corrected. Go on. It you better be right here, buddy. I, so. I, <laughs> I was there. Where? He will go down in infamy like Pearl Harbor. Every month, and I'm not going to talk out of school, we used to have a party in the top floor. 
a number of prominent Leaf footballers would be attending, most of whom you would know. And the guy in question who owned the place or ran the place was a great friend of a great mutual friend of ours. And every month we would have the party of the year upstairs in the uh, sort of a semi-penthouse, the townhouse in Swanston Street. Corner of Swanston and... uh, wasn't really on the corner off. That's the Melbourne, uh, isn't it? Melbourne Townhouse. The no. Melbourne Townhouse was near Grattan Street. Yeah, near the Grattan street, street. That's the street down. Yeah. Swanson Street. That's it the was one. in Swanson Street, Carlton. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, anyway, which one are you at? That was the one I was at. Oh, Melbourne, okay. Melbourne, Melbourne was Townhouse. At. Melbourne Townhouse. Melbourne Townhouse. But they, had a, they had a penthouse upstairs. They had a penthouse they panorama room. Panorama room. Thank you. Panorama room. And we would just well, get together. That's where I started, Leon. Yeah, I was 16. Yeah, uh, I thought I was 18, but I was 16. Yes. What a landmark that is. It was. Ooh. So, um, so right through the game, uh, you always been Italian uh, cooking or Italian style I cooking? did work for Branco when it was, uh, he had Lazars for a little while, and I worked at quite a few French restaurants um, on and off during that period of time, more on a part-time basis. But predominantly Italian. Now here at Il Duque, you've now got a new partner. To, I have Lino, partner. Lino Del Giudice, who is the singing waiter. Singing waiter is a very, very good friend of mine, and um, yeah, he's been very a talented. Of fresh air. Very talented man, and uh, also a great partner and a great friend. Yeah, now the transition of restauranting has gone through many and varied. From the fifties, oh. when <clears throat> particularly with wine and the way we consume alcohol. You know, they were all BYOs. I'd buy the bucket load, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there were a lot of BYOs uh, around in those days, Sam, that um, had coffee cups full of wine. <laughs> yes. Well, coffee cups. Oh, Ligon Street. Ligon oh, yeah. Street, coffee cups. Yeah. Knock, knock. Gaming ga- 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 machines. One of the statutes of limitations, because I, I actually wrote that uh, when we became licensed, uh, Many, many, many years ago, we were selling less wine when we uh, exactly. <laughs> were BYO. But uh, anyway, Barry, I couldn't have another Nescafe. Yeah, could <laughs> it was a different, different. Uh, now, now, people in your industry um, are pretty duty bound, not to mention some of the famous people. Uh, some do and some don't. Yeah. Um, but your encounter with the Beatles uh, is an interesting story. Yeah, that was an interesting story, Leon. Um, once again, uh, 1975, actually. Branco, yeah. yeah, well, that's when, when uh, Paul McCartney came to town. Uh, Branco came to me and it was about oh, 8 o'clock at 9 o'clock at night and he said, oh, we've got a function upstairs, will you do it? And I'd been working all day and I thought, oh, really, I don't really particularly want to do it. He said, it's some band from America, something of W. I said, it's not Paul McCartney, is it? Wings. Wings. And he said, <laughs> he said, yeah, 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 that's them. So I obviously jumped the chance. So I went upstairs, set up the state suite. I don't know if you remember the old state suite yeah. at the Southern Cross. It was on the 15th floor and it had a great panorama of Melbourne in those days until the Nauru house was built. So anyway, we got upstairs and we set it up. And, um, Fitzroy. Yeah. <laughs> another Fitzroy. Uh, another, backwards. Yeah, that's right. Uh, actually, another I, fell over. Uh, yeah, another fall. <laughs> he come, oh, you, it's all coming you back remember, to You remember Nauru house, oh, don't Nauru you? Nauru house, yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we uh, we set up the room. (laughs) (laughs) We set up the room, and um, I wasn't expecting anything. I didn't know what was going to happen. And all of a sudden, I was there with about three or four of the other waiters, and I was supposed to be looking after the function. 
and Paul McCartney walks in with Linda. And I sort of stood there and I said, oh, hello, Mr McCartney. Anyway, we, he said, look, he said, I only need one of you here at the moment. He said, the rest can come back in half an hour. So, of course, I was in charge. So I said to the boys, you know, go downstairs. So we had a bit of a chat for about 15, 20 minutes. Fantastic. Um, in fact, I told him that uh, I was standing outside with my brothers when I was eight years old. At, uh, in 64? In, in 64, standing outside and where they walked out into the balcony. And he said to me, he remembered that day vividly. Yeah. He said they could not believe the, the amount crowd, of people. Yeah. They could not believe the crowd. Yeah, I was there. In fact, I was in the building. That's another story. It's very interesting. Were you in the building? Yeah. Were you in the building? Well, when? we had a... Um, there was a bloke that worked... His, his nickname was Sarge, and he was the marketing manager for Coca-Cola in Australia. So I don't know whose mate he was, but uh, we all bundled into the car. And would you believe it, we had an old... Um, <coughs> African country um, uh, dictator, what's he, um, uh, Haile Selassie, what's his country? Oh, uh, Selassie. He's a good runner, Kenya, not Kenya. No, no, uh, no, so Haile Selassie was a... Was he's a, a policeman. Haile Selassie was the emperor. Haile Selassie was the emperor. Of Ethiopia. Anyway, we got this bloody Ethiopian flag and we stuck it on the bonnet. This is how security yeah. was in those days. And we were all car full of people with this big sergeant's driving. So he's the only one with a pass, Ethiopian flag, float straight into the car park under the building. In the Sun Cross. Up to the room that he had. And we had a boat. Mick Brothers was a water pilot man of mine. And his yeah. brother had just arrived from England, back from England. He got on the phone and said, hello, in, in English, you know, the English yeah. accent. Can I speak to... Um, uh, Ringo, I think he asked for yeah. Ringo. Now I know where he really got on to Ringo or not, but we were there when um, the, the, soil, the, balcony, yeah. the soil rolls were thrown out, That's right. and the throng of people, unbelievable, incredible. Well, we walked, we walked from uh, King William Street and Fitzroy into oh, the yeah, city yeah. just because mm. we, I mean, we had no idea what was going on, but we just knew there was going to be a crowd. And that was the Rue House. That was an impressive building, wasn't it? The <laughs> stood out. It was a big building, uh, and. Uh, uh, Leon, they, spo- oh, no, they, they sponsored you for a while, didn't they? <laughs> they, the, uh, they did. After my time. No, it was too. <clears throat> now, Dom. Uh, yes, Sam. The menu. How limited was your initial menu as opposed to what you're offering now? Well, when we were at uh, Geppetto, obviously, we had a, a much more limited menu. Uh, I think people expect a larger menu these days. Um, you just well, passes were predominant with the Italian. Well, that was pretty yeah. much it, yeah. Pretty and much I think it. We've. we've developed from that over the years and um, Italian food's changed a little bit even in Italy, you well, go to it, Italy yeah. it's, it's, it really has become more of a global style food as well so. oh, I think it wins all sorts of I oh, know <coughs> 3AW had a competition about the world the world championship food yeah, yeah. and Italy yeah. won that and yeah. that was a popular vote I yeah, think it, is, it, is, it is a popular it's one of the I always say to people it's one of the types of food that you can eat quite often and not get sick because it's not yeah, overly yeah. sourced it's, and it's safe it's, it's safe yeah, yeah it's you, a safe you go to an Italian restaurant and you know you're going to get something you like yeah you go to some of these other fancy year yeah ones that try too hard god you can't even read the menu yeah let alone know what it is yeah valid point One which th- leads me to my next question <laughs> regarding Italian restaurants and the role that Ligon Street has played in promoting because there's two views here. You talk to people about Ligon Street and it polarises very much. 
because there'll be those that say that Ligon Street is almost a hybrid version of the real, but it's been marketed such and promoted so well that the average tourist comes along and goes to Ligon Street. That's but the it's way not it's been the traditional. Yeah. That's the way it's been marketed. But it's not the traditional Italian meal. It's, some, some, some are. Uh, look, there's some great restaurants in Ligon Street. And some that have been there, you know, University Cafe, yeah. and there's been there's so many over the years that have stood the test of time. The one thing about Ligon Street, there are there has been a, a, a big change over the years. Uh, when I used to frequent Ligon Street, it was the Italian. The real deal. It was a real deal. It's probably changed a little bit now, but still some great restaurants. Yeah. There. Don, when uh, my wife and I moved to Carlton uh, 30 years, over, over 30 years ago, all the rest of the Italian restaurants were regional. Yeah. You'd go there and you'd... you'd, you'd Your Danini's you'd the food, and all those yeah. places. Yeah. All, all yeah. Regional. From, Tuscany yeah. or yeah. from, yeah, from right. Rome. Or yeah. and, and it was fantastic. Yeah. Now, because of financial circumstances these days and the rent they have to pay major... The rents are astronomical. They've really passed from pizza mm. uh, in most of them. Uh, University is yep. different. You know, yep. they, they, they have a, a, a good... And there's a good places like the... Um, uh, cafe, the uh, Carlton Espresso, you oh, know, yeah. where, uh, that's yeah, they're assured of a, a big turnover, yeah. Different offer. But if somebody said to me, I really want to go out for a toffee dinner yeah. in Carlton, in, in Ligon Street, well, there's just that, that, that bloke that has a place in St Kilda, he's just having one in behind the old King and Godfrey's. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, what, yeah, what's the name? Uh, yes, uh, yeah. nearly, nearly there. Oh, the people are screaming at us now, saying it's it's Sarchi's or Sarchi's or something. He's got a winery that, too out of the like, yeah, uh, That's him. That that in Fitzroy. Uh, uh, anyway, he's there now. I don't know what it's like, but there's a few places popping up. Yep, and I think they're trying to get it back to what it was. I think that's probably what the the, the council and everybody's trying to do. And they had a when the. Carlton Street Festa started years ago. It was fabulous. Oh, it was yeah, great. Right. It was yeah. great. Uh, went off the rails a little bit, but hopefully they'll be. Yeah, they're uh, trying again. They're trying again. Now, uh, name dropping again, uh, your encounter with Muhammad Ali. Yeah, that was an interesting uh, time too. Uh, we got seconded to the, um, the Hilton from the Southern Cross because they hadn't done the, um, the Logies uh, that much. And I happened to be there the night that uh, Muhammad Ali um, was on stage with Bert Newton. And that oh, was, that right. was quite a. I like the boy. <laughs> I like the boy. <laughs> it was quite a. The hush that came over the the um, the room when he when Bert said that was just amazing. It was just sort of just stopped the uh, stopped the place dead. And, but he. Bert was a consummate professional. He got out of it so well and so quickly. That great. might have been the start of the woke thing because it was pretty clear when you see the replay after replay that Bert meant no harm. He didn't mean any harm. No, he didn't mean any harm. culture about calling Afro-Americans boys. Not at all. Not at all. It wasn't meant in any derogatory way at all. No. It was just something they used to say. But uh, obviously, you keep telling people it's not the content; it's the tone in which it's delivered. Yep. Yes. And there was no malice or intent. It was just a birth and, uh, you know, a bit yeah. of fun. But watching Bert on stage at the Logies was, was just yeah. amazing. It would never be replicated that. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. That, that, that's, I think it must have been the same night. There was, what's the big Scottish festival they have every year? Uh, the big... Uh, the platoon, or, not the platoon, the... Uh, uh, yes. Anyway, they, the had it, they brought it to Melbourne and they had it at the MCG. 
and I took our kids were little, you know, we were carrying them almost. And so coming up from the MCG, we must have been parked behind the Hilton, as it yep. was called then. And Muhammad Ali, Ali, was standing outside, just obviously waiting, waiting for a car or a limo or something. So I thought, oh bugger, you only get one chance at this. So I went up and said, hello, I'm, I, I'm a bit of a sports bloke too, and I admire what you do. And I thought, oh, well, yeah. chat, chat, chat. But who are all these kids, you know? And he picked up the two girls, and gave them a little kiss and a cuddle, and he said to the young lad, oh, you're so ugly, you know, in a funny way. Mm. And then he realised that, um, then he realised, oh, that might have been offensive. He said, oh, no, you're the best looking boy I've ever met, you know. Just a charming bloke. A couple I, of minutes. It was, uh, it was an interesting night, I've got to say, at the, uh, the old uh, The tattoos the word. By the way, Tattoo, talking, about, yeah. talking about tattoos, the bloody exhibition building is now full of tattoos. <coughs> it's a tattoo, yeah. tattoo festival or something. It's on now, is it? Well, I just said, they were setting up this morning. Cafe de Stasio. That's it. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Ronnie's place. Ronnie, 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 Ronnie Stasio. Yeah. Is he something different Great. when he blows up? Ronnie. <laughs> Great restaurant, I've never met him. But uh, we've been very lucky in this, very, in this city. We've got some really great restaurants. And I'll tell you what else we're lucky for. We've got a wonderful sponsor. Who you know is a mutual friend of ours mutual who frequents your uh, place. And on the menu here. He's on the menu He's here. The Great Mitchelton Wines. And let me tell you, he enjoys a Riesling. You and, more, you and I are into Shiraz, the print. Uh, and we're just uh, about to open up a bottle of it now. Premier Wines, how fortunate are we? Now you serve it with the meal. Once upon a time, it was... N- I'll have another cup of Kinness Cup, I think. <laughs> <laughs> now you can openly come out and charge 80 and $100 that you do, those exorbitant fees. Yeah, but that's, that, that idea of yours of necking it, that's, that's just... <laughs> oh, oh, please. <laughs> you see the big, the beautiful white glass of the presentation here. How big is, as you know, you're always big on service and you're raised by the very best in fine dining. You go to places now, she'll be right, mate, wait here, sit in the queue or whatever. How big a role is service? Does that leave an indelible print on your customer? And how One much- of the things I've learned in this industry, Sam, was, and I always say this to my staff members, there are hundreds and thousands of great restaurants in Melbourne. What you have got to do to get them into your restaurant is give them a reason for them to come. Point of difference. A point of difference and it's not always about the food. The food is very, very, very important. But it's how people feel when they come to It's the experience and how they feel about when they come into your restaurant. If you make them feel like they're wanted and they're happy to be there, you will get them back. If you make them feel as though they're an imposition, that's exactly how they feel and they will never come back. So you've right. got to make them feel at home. It's so as though they're walking into their lounge room and they're sitting down and you've got to try and make them feel welcome. Bravo. On how, that note, Leon? Well, just a, a quick one. How tough was the two years of COVID? <sighs> Leon, I, I'm going to say this and... and I say this quite openly, if circumstances were that um, I'm at the stage in my life now, obviously, where I could, you know, give it away, I've been in it for a long time. If, um, if I had been on my own during this period of time and, and Lino not beside me, I probably would have given the keys to the landlord and said, right, I'm done. 
it was a really tough time, more mentally than anything yeah. else. It yeah. was mentally hard to keep going. Mm. And I knew, and we're very, very lucky at Ildooka, that we've got some great customers, some very, very loyal customers. I knew we'd bounce back. But the thought of, it, it was more or less like starting over again. And, and that's the feeling I had. God, I'm really starting over again. And that was the, the yes, hard part. It must have been hard. I know we, the Vang Sang, mm. we, we booked and cancelled right. several times over. Oh, yes. Over it was the unknown. It was the unknown, yeah. And we had so many of our um, singing nights where we have performers here. We had to cancel so many of those that we had booked. And that was tough. You've got to ring people up and say, look, I'm sorry. But they obviously mm. understood. But it was tough. It was a tough couple of years. And finally... Um, Food trends. What's the what's the star the star plate oh, here? Gee, there's the, the food trends. It, it's funny. We we tend to stay with our stables because that's what people come here for. Lamb. I let <laughs> <laughs> I let I let the other restaurants go with the trends uh, because that's what they do. Um, I, I like to keep it very simple. I like to keep it fresh. If it's not broken. Don't fix it. Well, that's probably that's the one our, thing you know. You come to Il Duca. You know what you're going to get. Yeah, I'm going to write that down, Sam, if it's not broken. Yeah, if it's <laughs> not broken, don't, don't fix, fix it. it. God. And if it is broken, run. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, well, we're going to have dinner here, uh, lunch here today, um, so the pastor will get a workout. And of course, buddy, steak over here, or lamb over here. Lamb? Oh. Let me tell you, there's not a bad dish on the menu here. I can honestly say, and this not being patronising, and I've been here for Geppetto's for the last 40 years, maybe longer. Uh, it is exemplary. It's good, solid, home-cooked food. You know, forget about the, the French influences, forget about the sauces, forget about the flowers, forget about the decorations on your plate. It is good, wholesome, plenty of food, in a wonderful ambiance, served with a great deal of passion and love. And the only downside, of course, is when the the eviction notice arrives. <laughs> the, the amount, it's, it is a slight, uh, the sli- yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm breaking up, sorry. Yeah, we want, <laughs> the staff want to go home. <laughs> All right, the, the name of the book again was Che... Che Fortuna. Oh, you say Kef, yeah. is it? Yeah, Ke. 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 Fortuna. He's from Barcelona. Ke, <laughs> Ke, where have you heard that? John Cleese, K. Yeah, yeah, yeah from Barcelona. That's right. Um, yeah, Barcelona. So CHE, well, that's how we'll find. Anyway, it's not available in the store. It'll be, it'll be available it through be, the restaurant through, through and it'll the, be available through um, through the website. Good luck, brother. Dom, I know you're going on a holiday uh, to Europe. Yeah, I'm going to see my daughter in London. Fantastic. And our grandchild. Yeah. Enjoy and that and stay safe. And thanks, thanks for being with us at... Uh, on Sport and Life. And what about the retail price, just quickly, for those that... Uh, I'm not actually selling it, because I'm actually giving it away, and hopefully then they'll be able to... Oh, they'll make the donation. They'll make the donation, and then obviously they can... I might have to have a chat to you about (laughs) those. I'd leave the slip out of his copy. (laughs) Uh, We'll Uh, talk about it later. What was that building again? The Rue House, was it? Yeah, Dominic (laughs) Donadio's been our guest today, and next week, who knows? You're on Sport and Life. Life.